Well, Psalm 47. We're going to cover Psalm 47 and 48 this morning. And we did it in the first service. I think we can do it this time. Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. Uh, we are blessed. We are privileged to be here. We're privileged to be able to carry a Bible openly. We are privileged to be able to pray and sing and to raise up our children in the faith. Uh, we are privileged. And we thank you and praise you for those who are uh, serving our country, that we can have these freedoms we have. But we're also privileged to have your word on our lap. And this word is full of all truth. And so, Lord, whatever is on our minds right now, this past week, or what's going to happen later today, uh, we pray right now, Father, that we would lay that aside and give our full attention to your word. Lord, if there's any sin that we need to confess, we confess that right now that we'd hear from you, from your Holy Spirit, the truth. I I pray for the gift of teaching. And Father, that you'll be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 47, to the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah. 47, you know, King Hezekiah may, I say may, may have been inspired to write this psalm And it is still read on New Year's Day in Israel called Rosh Hashanah to this day. Now remember from last week that the Psalms 46, 47, 48, uh, that we're looking at a trilogy of God. God's victory over the enemy, the Assyrian army specifically, that took place during the reign of King Hezekiah. You know, as we took note of last week, it was a battle that was fought and won by one angel that was sent by God to accomplish his will. So let's read Psalm 47 this morning. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us. And the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob. Whom he loves. And Selah. Remember that word. It's a song. Remember these are songs. And so that was a a pause. So for us as we're reading it. It would be pause. And you might say think about that. Or what do you think about that. So we reflect on what we just read. And as we look at these verses. Celebration is taking place here. You see, they had learned how to be still. When you look at Psalm 46 there, uh, verse 10, notice, be still and know that I am God. And remember our context last week, there was an army that was coming against Jerusalem and they were going to wipe out Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, Hezekiah, they didn't have a huge army. It was, in their mind, hopeless because they were helpless. That battle took place, the enemy was defeated, and so now they are celebrating. And notice in verse 2 it says, the Lord is king. The Lord is king. He is a great king over all the earth. So not a, a, a human king, but king. God is king. 
And they are going to worship him as such. You see, God had delivered them from their enemies. And as we took note of that in the previous psalm. So in this psalm, they were willing to worship him and proclaim his faithfulness. You see, God chose the land of what we call the nation of Israel today for the Hebrew people. This is very, very important. You see, it was his decision. God didn't ask anyone else for permission. He just chose to give that land to the Jewish people. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. 10 through 12. And this is key. Yeah, I really encourage you to know your word, to know the Bible. Um, people, there's a big argument. Obviously, you've been following the news at all about uh, you know our current president and him establishing uh, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Amen. Big deal. Jerusalem was the capital of Israel, whether he said so or not. But you know, by him saying that, obviously, a lot of people, a lot of people, got upset about it. So you and I, we need to know some scriptures. So we don't argue with people, but we do what the scriptures say, speak the truth in love. And the easiest way to speak the truth in love is to take people to the scriptures. Well, Deuteronomy 11, 10 says, For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. A land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God. Notice that specifically. The Lord your God. A personal relationship. Not just a God some God, some force. No, you're going into a land that your God is giving you. That's very, very important. Because if you're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with God via Jesus, then these scriptures aren't going to mean a whole lot to you. But they did mean much to them because they saw what took place in Egypt. They saw, remember guys, they, they were like us today. They were living in a land like us today. Many, many foreign gods when they were in Egypt. And the Egyptians were worshiping all of these foreign gods. For hundreds of years, they were in Egypt. But then the true God came and delivered them through miracle after miracle after miracle. And they came to understand that there is only one true God. And he is leading us. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. So important. Let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, 11 through 16. And we're going to advance a few years, and it's the time of Solomon, which is roughly 960 B.C. So Second Chronicles 7. And again, if you don't have a Bible, I greatly encourage you to have one. If you need to take one, take one from the chairs, that's fine. We actually have some Bibles in the North Lobby that are in the lost and found. I don't know how you lose your Bible and not come and find it, but feel free to go back. There's some in leather. You might find a really nice one back there. 
2 Corinthians 7, thus says Solomon, thus, Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. And Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself. Now that this place is Jerusalem. That's fact. You see, David came came and conquered Jerusalem. That is a fact in roughly 1000 B.C. Now Solomon is hearing from God, and God is saying, this is my place, my house, Jerusalem. Very, very important. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place, Mount Zion, Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence upon my people, so when my people sin, I'm going to discipline them, and these are a few things that might take place, God goes on to say, if my people who are called by my name, Again, notice that, very personal. There's a relationship here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, again, notice this personal relationship, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I don't know if what's happening in California is what's been happening in this last year in our country is God's judgment. I won't say it is. I will not say it's not. But this we do see in the scriptures. We will reap what we sow. And even in the church, you know, this is specifically to people who have a relationship with God via Jesus Christ. You can't just throw this verse out as, hey, this is a great verse. You know, if our just whole country would do this. Our whole country doesn't know God, does not have Jesus as their Savior, so that it's going to fall on deaf ears. So this is specifically for the church. So now we need to ask ourselves a question. In the church, is this happening in the church? I personally believe it is in this church. But then you also want to ask yourself the bigger question, is this happening in the church, the big C? Or are we seeing that the big C, those who supposedly on a Sunday morning believe in the Bible, believe in God, believe in Jesus, are now saying that it's okay for people to live together outside of marriage, to have sex outside of marriage. It's okay, just keep coming to the church. Is this the same church that's now saying, hey, homosexuality, you know, that that's an acceptable lifestyle, and to be married is an acceptable lifestyle. To ordain them is acceptable, blah, blah, blah blah, blah, that's the big C. That's who God is talking to right here. So what we could say today would be, if my church, if my church would repent, I would heal the land. It's not ambiguous. It's very specific. It's my church. So so we need to do our part. Why? Because verse 15 says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive 
to the prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house on the Temple Mount. They know for certain. I've been to Israel seven times. They know without a shadow of a doubt where Solomon's temple was located. And it was located on the Temple Mount. Now there's debate where on the Temple Mount it was located. But there is no debate that it was located on the Temple Mount. That is key, especially when we go into our next uh, psalm. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As we look back into the psalm. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Do you kind of see something here? Exhortation. Praise. God has delivered us. He is God. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Again, notice our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. Now as we read these verses... We can almost kind of see a conflict. It's like, well, does God really reign right now on this earth? No, he doesn't. But yet we want to read from Genesis to Revelation and see that God is still reigning. Now, we know that Jesus is going to come back and rule and reign for a thousand years, and we're going to rule and reign with him. But let's look at some verses. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 2. Turn there quickly. And let's see if God doesn't reign. Now these verses here that we're, that we're reading in this psalm are going to take place one day. They will absolutely take place. But something else is taking place right now. Daniel chapter 2 verse 20. Daniel speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. How about Daniel chapter 4? Just turn to look at, at Daniel 4, 13 through 17. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree. And as you read the text, this is Nebuchadnezzar, full of pride. Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze. In the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze, and him there is Nebuchadnezzar, let him graze with the beast on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the heart of a beast. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And let seven times pass over him. 
This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence of the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know, may know what? That the most high, that would be God, that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. How about chapter 5, 22 and 23 of Daniel? But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. You knew the history of Nebuchadnezzar. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. Key part of the verse here. And the God who holds your breath. Does God reign? Yes, God reigns. Not ultimately the way he's going to with Jesus during the thousand year reign of Christ. There's a lot of evil on this earth at this time. But as you read the scriptures, you see that God has not left us forsaken. Just, well, I hope this turns out okay. I'll be back in a few thousand years. No, God is intimately involved with our situations. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. How about Psalm 75? Psalm 75. That says, for exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, nor from the ballot box. Now we do have our responsibility and we do need to follow through in that responsibility. But you want to step back as you read the scriptures and get the bigger picture. God is ruling and reigning and there is a plan and a purpose. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. And then let's wrap it up with uh, Romans 13.1. And there's many, many other verses we could go to. But Romans 13.1, we'll wrap it up with this. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now that could seem very, very bizarre, especially when you think of someone like Hitler. And so that's a whole nother study in and of itself. But I just wanted to bring out a picture here, looking back into the Psalms. As we read some of these Psalms, we can kind of go, well, that's, that's not happening. So you want to do more study. You want to get the bigger picture. And again, one day we will be ruling and reigning with Jesus for a thousand years. So verse 9 in Psalm 47. The princesses of the people had gathered together, the people of God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Notice the shields of the earth, the protector, that God will protect his kids. Well, Psalm 48. Again, we're in this trilogy. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king? And even as I read that, you might 
be singing that song from early Calvary. But Mount Zion ultimately became the mount in which King Solomon built the magnificent temple that David had desired to build. That temple was completed roughly around 950 B.C., which would have been 1,500 years prior to Muhammad and Islam ever coming on the scene. So the debate today about the Palestinians and Israel, you don't want to argue, you just go to the word of God. Jerusalem is Israel's. It has been and always will be. You see, Jerusalem was the pride of the Israelites then and still is today, which it rightfully should be. You know, on a side note, Jerusalem is mentioned over 600 times in the Old Testament and yet not mentioned once in the Quran. Now, Jerusalem is supposedly the third holiest site of Islam, not the first, the third. And yet, here's just a simple fact. You don't argue with people. Don't get angry with people. Just ask some simple questions. Well, if Jerusalem is that important to you all, wouldn't your sacred scriptures, because they're your sacred scriptures, right? The Quran is your sacred scriptures. Yes, they are. Well, wouldn't you think they would have mentioned it at least once by name? Just once? Not even once by name. But yet, in the Old Testament, over 600 times. You know, it's little things like that that we need to be educated about so that we don't get into an argument about who should have what. No, just go to the Word of God. It's God's. And God is the one who has designated it to His people. When Joshua conquered Jerusalem in roughly 1400 B.C., it was 2,000 years prior to Muhammad. You see, God gave Jerusalem to the Israelites for an everlasting inheritance. And no matter what man may say, president, pope, or otherwise, it will remain in their hands. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 12, 1 through 3, and look at a warning that I think is really applicable today. Really applicable. Zechariah 12, 1 through 3. The burden of the Lord, the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens lays the foundation of the earth, and forms a spirit of man within him. So we know who this is. This is God. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. Now, if you think back to the Psalms, and if you think about Israel, and you go back to that day, you think of siege, you might think of a army surrounding Jerusalem, building up a siege wall or a mound of dirt totally around the city so that no one can come in or out, hence cutting off food and water. You're going to starve them out eventually. But what I think is, is interesting is we have a body called the UN, which are worthless and pointless, But they're in New York, and it's called UN, and supposedly every nation is represented in that United Nations. And who's coming against Israel over our president announcing what Israel already has had for years and known for years? It's our capital. Glad you finally caught up with us. It's just the way it is. Almost every nation is coming against Israel saying they're wrong. Give it back. 
Give it back. You don't deserve that. So as we read on, and it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. And as you read the paper today in the UN, Jerusalem is almost mentioned every single day in the UN. How many times is Queen Creek mentioned at the UN? Ever? Probably never. Hundreds if thousands of towns are never mentioned in the UN, ever. But Jerusalem, almost every single day. Guys, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. And that's why the world's not going to get it. You see, if the enemy could destroy Jerusalem, if the enemy could destroy Israel, when I say enemy, I'm talking spiritual enemy, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, that would nullify the prophecies in the word of God. That Jesus is coming back to Israel, that Jesus is specifically coming back to Jerusalem, that Jesus is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. That's the bigger picture that, that no one is going to understand unless they receive Jesus as their Savior. They're just not going to get it. And it's going to go back to the physical, and that's why Iran says that we are the big Satan, and Israel is the little Satan. That's why Iran wants to destroy us and wants to destroy Israel. Christianity was huge in America, not so much anymore. We have impacted, if you think about America, the early church, and what's taken place over the last 200 years, we've sent the gospel out to unbelievable places and other countries have as well. But if you just think about America, God has used us mightily, and we're still sending out Bibles and tracts and missionaries. We're still doing that. So how do we get rid of God's promises? Let's wipe out the big Satan. Because, boy, they, they support a lot of Christians. And then we'll wipe out the little Satan. Because that's the promises in the word of God. It's not going to happen. But as we have these discussions to avoid getting upset or mad, or we've got to keep stepping back and looking at the bigger picture. Why is this all happening? Is it because of our president? It's because of the word of God. This is going to happen. It says it right here. A heavy stone for all peoples. But notice here, and all who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces. Though all nations. Now think about this. Before the UN, where in the world could have all the nations come to voice a concern against Israel? So I, I find that very interesting that these days, which we believe, I believe are the last days, that we have a place where all the nations can come against Israel, not militarily, not surrounding them in Israel, but they can all come together to voice an opinion against Israel. Israel is under attack spiritually as well as physically. Back in the Psalm, verse 3, God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. You see, uh, as you go to Jerusalem, it's surrounded, especially Mount Zion. It's surrounded by valleys, which makes it a wonderful place of refuge. And the enemies of God would have had a hard time capturing the city. Yet after 1900 years of exile, the Israelites, the Israelites recaptured Jerusalem in 1967 and proclaimed that the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Now, I was listening to a gal this past week and I, I showed Matt and um, she's a, a, an Arab gal with some initials after her name to make you think that she's really smart. But she made this comment. She said, well, land that is conquered through military might cannot be retained. 
Yeah, just let that sink in a little bit. Land that is captured through military might cannot be retained. Hasn't that been happening for a few thousand years? When you have a war and you conquer a land, it's now yours. But for some reason, it's not applicable anymore. So the initials don't mean a whole lot behind their name. Just use some common sense and say, you know what you just said? It it makes no sense whatsoever. Not only does the Bible say it's going to happen, but Israel got it. Bye-bye. Too bad. You weren't strong enough. It's theirs. And praise God, they're going to keep it. But in this verse here, notice as well that it's not about the palaces, but God who was called upon in the palaces. That's really, really important. John, you want to throw that slide up there? You know, it's not about the palaces, as we're going to see in the next few verses. And I want to say that because it's not about your career. It's not about your house or your car or your 401k or whatever you want to throw in there. It's not about that. It's about the God that we call upon. That's why we're here this morning, because we really believe at, at Calvary, we really believe there is a God. And we really believe from Genesis to Revelation, not not some of Revelation, all of Revelation. We believe the whole counsel of God. We don't understand it all. Guarantee you that. But we at least believe it. And so this is a unique situation. And we believe that God is going to take care of us no matter what comes. So back in Psalm verses 4 through 8, For behold, the kings assembled, they passed by together, they saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled, they hastened away. Fear took hold of them there in pain as a woman in birth pains. As when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city, so this would be Jerusalem, in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. You see, God's judgment came quickly upon the enemies of God. You see, the Assyrians were placing their strength upon numbers. Got a slide there, John. Where King Hezekiah placed his strength upon God's deliverance. And guys, as we're reading these verses, you know, this happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So you can say, well, that's far removed from me. It's applicable to you and me today. You see, there are many, the world that is around us, and they could look big, and they could look like there's so many of them, and how are we ever going to get out of this? How is, and we forget, wait a minute, God's on my side. As I mentioned last week, when you got on God on your side, you outnumber everybody. Now, you might not know how he's going to deliver you. You might be frantic for the moment, have anxiety for the moment. That's quite natural, but you've got to get back to the reality. You've got to get back to the fact of God's word. God is going to take care of me. God is going to deliver me. And so that's so important because the Assyrians, huge, massive army. Israel had no hope. They were going to be wiped out. But yet one angel in one night delivered them. Do you think Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, could do that for you? You think he could do it for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have to go back to Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. So there's a time of being still. There's a time of exhortation, of praise. And we're seeing this played out in these Psalms. You see, God's judgment came suddenly like the birth pains of a woman or a storm rising up in the sea. 
And they had heard about God's deliverance, but now they're experiencing it firsthand. It's called building a testimony of faith. You see, the more I trust in the Lord, the more I see in his hand of deliverance. And this is not for me alone. This is for anyone in this room, anyone listening to this CD. You see, my faith becomes more and more established, which causes me to trust in the Lord more and more. You know, instead of what the world would call a vicious cycle, and even some Christians have this mentality, you know, I'm just, I, it's just a vicious cycle. I look at it as a blessed cycle. God loves me enough to discipline me. God loves me enough to allow certain things to come into my life that will cause me, I have a decision, to look to the world or look to the word. It's my decision. So what am I going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to live in a vicious cycle or are you going to look to the word of God and go, this is a blessed cycle because why? He works all things together for the good. And we don't like all things. I'm with you on that. But if I trust in the word of God, and if I really know who God is, and I do know who God is, I know he's going to work it for the good. Might take weeks, might take months, might take years. But he's going to work it for the good. So give it back to God and let God do that. Verse 9 and 10. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Again, Mount Zion is a large area. The Temple Mount today is built on the top of Mount Zion. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. You see, God's judgments are perfect. They are righteous. The word righteous, you could just say they are right. They are right. And what's when it's all said and done, we're going to hear what is shared in Revelation 16, 7. And I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty. You know, when we get to heaven, I personally don't believe we're going to have our same minds. Thank God. But I personally don't think we're going to be walking around for eternity going, oh, I, I wish my parents were here. Or I wish my brothers were here. Or I wish my uncle or aunt or nephew or niece or neighbor. You know, we'd be crying for all of eternity. No, when we get to heaven and see the bigger picture and even see how many times God reaches out to people, even this morning, you may be sitting here this morning as an atheist. You came because somebody asked you to come and okay, I'll come. You've got to realize right now God loves you. Because you're not here wanting to be here, but yet at the same time God is saying to you, I love you. It doesn't matter to me if you acknowledge me or not. I know I exist. I love you. And I sent my son Jesus to die for you. So what are you going to do with that information? You see, it's not that God's not fair. God is super fair. You're here this morning. And you might not even want to be here, but you're still here. And God's still telling you that he loves you. I think that's pretty fair. So it comes down to you. Are you being fair with God? God is plenty fair with you. Are you being fair with God? And when we get to heaven, we're going to we're going to say this. Even so, Lord God Almighty, I don't think we're going to see them as our relatives and my heart is broken. We're going to see them as an individual, a sinner if they didn't know Christ. And we're going to say to God, True and righteous are your judgments. True and righteous are your judgments. That's what's going to take place in heaven. Verses 
moving on, walk about Zion. Now again, get that picture. They had this battle. They were surrounded by an army. An angel delivered them. And so what, what wraps up the psalm? Walk about Zion and go around her. Count her towers. Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces. Notice how big this is. I mean, it was. It was huge. Very, very hard to break through. Walk around it. Check it out. Is that what saved you? Is that what saved you? Who saved you? And for you and me, we need to remember the same thing. It's not about our finances. It's not about our great wisdom. Oh, I really manipulated that person. It's not about any of that. It's about God. Why? That you may tell it to the generation following. That you might tell it to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, if the Lord tarries. Tell them what? How God met you, how God delivered you, how God gave you strength to get through whatever it is that that it was. Yeah, but God isn't getting me through it. Are you relinquishing? Like we sang this morning, even this morning, we sang it once again in a song. Maybe you didn't understand it. Maybe you didn't see it. Maybe you said it and it just didn't click. But that word surrender, that word surrender was in the song. And you and I have to surrender every day, every hour, Every minute, sometimes every second, I say, okay, I give up. You know what's best. And he really does. And then you can start laughing at yourself and shaking your head. God, here I am again. I surrender. You do know what's best. How long is this going to take me? Till you take your last breath. Then the battle will be over. For this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. Let's look at John 16. We'll wrap it up with these verses. John 16. Because you might be sitting here as a new believer, or maybe even as an unbeliever, and think about, well, how does this work? How does this work in Christianity? Well, this is what happens. We were all unbelievers in this room at one time. And there was a time in our lives we came to realize that we were sinners in need of a Savior. And then we came to realize that Jesus was that Savior. And so we accepted Jesus as our Savior. When that happened, the Holy Spirit comes within us. Now we go to our Bibles and we start reading from Genesis to Revelation. And as we're reading, the Holy Spirit now guides us through this life. The Holy Spirit gives us answers about this life. What to do, not what to do. And so in John chapter 16, we read this. However, when he, the spirit of truth, so this is literally the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Hence, the New Testament and all of the New Testament, all of Revelation, all the epistles. He will glorify me, For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So that's how you and I as believers, we don't have to, you know, try to trip through this life and hopefully make it. No, we have the word of God. But again, here's that dual responsibility. God did his part. Am I doing mine? Am I at least reading? Again, salvation's off the table. Don't even talk to me about that. It's not works of salvation. That's, that's, no. Mature past that. It's called responsibility. And if I want to know about God, it's kind of like a marriage. I asked uh, Wade, 
because Ginger passed. They spent 54 years to go, together. And I asked Wade at the memorial service the other day, I go, Wade, did you, ever, did you ever talk to your wife? No. 54 years. No, we didn't discuss anything. Obviously, he was being facetious, sarcastic. Of course they talked. They talked a lot. And they learned a lot. And they loved a lot. And now Wade's going to miss a lot. But if you're not in your Bible, how are you going to learn about the God of all eternity? The same as a marriage or a friendship or however, whatever analogy you want to use, we have to spend time with that individual to learn about that individual, to grow in love with that individual, to appreciate what they like, don't like, whether you're single or married. With our children, we have to spend time. With our grandparents, we should be spending time. It's time. It's spending time. So are you doing that in the Word of God on a regular basis? That's the only way you're going to learn about God. Coming once a week on a Sunday morning and hear me teach is not, it's going to help a little bit, very little bit. It'd be like eat a meal once a week, see how long you last. It's not going to go very well. So guys, get in the word. He will glorify me. He's going to lift up the name of Jesus and he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. God, what should I do in this situation? It's in the Bible. The Holy Spirit will lead you to it. Just get in the Bible. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, we thank you for your word. That there's so many things we don't need to bother debating about. It's just a done deal. Jerusalem is Israel's. And you love Israel. You love the Palestinians. You love every race. You love every person of every race. For your word says, for God so loved the world. So love is not the issue. You love them all. So Father, help us not to get caught up in debates or arguments, but help us to push those off to the side and get to the root problem. We're sinners in need of a Savior. What are we doing with Jesus? And as the saints are praying right now, you might be here this morning, and maybe you don't have Jesus as your Savior. God is fair. He loves you. And right now, once again, on December 10th, 2017, He is giving you a free opportunity to receive the free gift of salvation. And there are people around you that love you because there's spiritual warfare taking place right now, and you don't understand this, but we do as believers, there's spiritual warfare taking place for your soul. So if you can understand this much, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, that's the Holy Spirit giving you faith to receive Jesus as your Savior. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I would encourage you, to pray the simple prayer. All of us in this room as believers, we prayed something like this at one point. So you're not alone. You're not new. But pray the simple prayer and God will receive you as his son and as his daughter. Instantly, today, just the way you are. Pray the simple prayer. God,
I get it. I am a sinner. I don't understand much more than that, but I do understand that. And so since I'm a sinner, I do understand I need a Savior. So God, I ask Jesus, who died on the cross, who was buried and rose again, who is seated at your right hand right now, I ask Jesus into my heart. I ask Jesus to be my Savior. And I also ask for your Holy Spirit to come into my life. To guide me. To lead me. To love me and comfort me. To convict me, correct me. That I might be more like Jesus. I don't understand a lot, but I thank you for this moment that I at least now understand I am now your son. I am now your daughter because of Jesus. Thank you that I can now call you Father. What a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we do thank you for this time and we thank you for this coming week as ambassadors for Christ. None of us know the day or the hour of our departure or anyone else around us. So, Father, help us to be ambassadors. Help us to be faithful ambassadors. Help us to be ready as we cross people's paths to love them, to challenge them, to speak to them of your goodness, your faithfulness. And, Lord, if it's your will that we might pray with someone to receive your Son as their Savior, what a blessing that would be. So, Lord, use us for your glory this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? God bless you guys. If you'd like to go to Israel, we'll meet right over here on this side for a few minutes. Um, If you have children that are going to maybe go to high school camp, please go across the way for that meeting. If you need prayer, please come. We'd love to pray for you. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, come forward. Let us know. We want to pray with you. God bless you guys. Again, remember, no church service Wednesday night. We'll meet at the uh, center, or you can come to the suicide prevention meeting in downtown Queen Creek. God bless you guys. Amen. Let's sing, Savior, He Can Move a Mountain. Savior, He Can Move a Mountain. My God is mighty to save. Is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light, shine your light, and let the whole world see. 
singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, Savior. Forever author of salvation He rose and conquered the grave Jesus conquered the grave